0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And by now, you probably know that my name is Goose. But joining me on today's show was an amazing guest. Her name is Archana Manaparkham, and she is the principal of Archway Legal. And today, we discussed oh, lots of lots of stuff, not least of which that uh, that Gabby and I want to go to outer space, but really to the point. Is that we we covered the four key benefits of investing in trust. So if you're someone who's ever thought about things like how to get more tax benefits out of your portfolio or how to think about passing your property portfolio onto your kids, or perhaps you've just thought about investing in trust and you want to get a little bit more information about that and sort of like, you know, why even would you bother doing that? Then there's a lot of gold to uncover in this episode. In fact, I actually learned a lot in this episode. I don't want to give it all away, but we covered covered things like tax benefits, CGT discounts, uh, asset protection, estate planning, all kinds of different stuff. We even talked about... What even what what a trust even is, and I think you'll be surprised uh, by that definition from a legal perspective. So I, th- I really think that um, given given the conversations that I have a lot of the time with a lot of investors, a lot of people talk about trust, but they don't really understand much about them. So this is a really good entry point for you to start to learn a little bit more about uh, about what they do and how, sort of how they work. Now, forewarned is forearmed. We had a couple of technical issues on this episode, which means that that Archie's uh, audio is not. Not awesome, right? It's not. It's not fantastic. But lean in, turn the volume up, and really try and tap into uh, the wisdom and the gold that she is giving away. You know, this is this is the kind of stuff that you normally have to um, you normally have to dig really, really hard to find. So uh, I'm very proud to be able to present this to you today, so that you can really start to learn more about how how this kind of stuff works. Now, of course, if you've got any feedback, shoot that feedback through to hello at dash dot com dot au. And of course. If you need any help to build a scalable, profitable property portfolio, then just reach out to us too. Uh, just head to dash.com.au or in fact, go to the investorlab.com.au where you can access more episodes, resources, tools, guides, all of that kind of good stuff. And there's also a contact form on that website, uh, webpage too. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into it and I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me today is a very special guest. She is a tax lawyer, a private wealth structuring and asset protection specialist. She is the owner and principal of Archway Legal. Archana, Archana Manapakam, if I get that right, no, Manapakam. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. How are you?
1: thank you goose and nice
0: try with the name I totally butchered that I absolutely butchered that and I apologize I apologize it's
1: totally fine just call me
0: Archie okay easy Archie Archie thanks for thanks for joining me we've had the benefit of having having a few uh, conversations uh, previously uh, and one of the areas that that you are a specialist is in is in structures trusts well structuring and all of that kind of stuff is that right yes that's
1: correct so um, trust is a people throw that around a lot but they don't necessarily know what it means Um, so I take pleasure in actually explaining it to people and setting it up in the way that they want it to be straight up and in the most suitable way for what they're trying to achieve.
0: Awesome okay so what, 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 what might be useful is if we just get a bit of a background like how is it that you came to be a specialist in trust like what's your background what's your story?
1: So I started off um, as a tax advisor at one of the big four um, accounting firms. Um, that was uh, about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into uh, some well-known CBD law firms in um, in Melbourne. Uh, and I did that for another 10 or so years. And then last year, uh, I went out on my own. Um, and um, it's been a wonderful experience um, getting to actually... Meet people and be more invested in their business, and be more agile in how I can um, service their needs.
0: Awesome, awesome, super. That's it's good. So you, so just to be clear, so, so you, you started your own business so that you could be more agile. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's right. So um, it's you know one thing working in a big firm and being sort of like I guess a, a cog in a big machine, um, and um, I enjoy personal interaction with people. Um, so being out on my own, I'm actually able to meet people, be more invested in what they're trying to achieve, mm. um, and you don't have to, you know, schlepp all the way into town to see me. I come out and I see you.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. They're not you're not going to see anyone at the moment, right? Because as we record this, <laughs> we're in the middle of another so we're lockdown. A
1: lockdown. That's right. So that's that's sort of where how I got into tax. But in terms of trust, it was sort of a natural um, thing when I sort of moved into the more. Um, high net worth space, um, so moving from a big accounting firm um, where it's dealing with multinationals and then moving into the private wealth space. And trust is a, is a really big part of private wealth.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And so let's start digging into that then. So a trust, look, well, let's firstly talk about what is a trust. But, and I'm interested to know because you said you started specializing in that um, when you started getting into the high net high net worth space is that is that mm. correct that's
1: right does that so, does that
0: does that mean that trusts are only relevant if you're a high net worth individual or is it is it no, something no
1: that... no at, not at all it means that um that's how i started getting involved in trusts, right. but then uh, i see more more and more people use it there are a lot of trusts in australia uh, it's if you don't know because there's no register of how many trusts there are we don't maintain that in this country um, but it's it's a uh, I think people are finding increasingly what the benefits are of having a trust. And um, it's, um, it's something that a lot of accountants will also advise. So it's often used for, you know, investment properties as well. Um, So certainly not just people who have loads and loads of money, though they might get the maximum benefit from it, but um, even for, you know, people who want to buy their second, third, fourth, fifth property, that sort of thing.
0: Okay. Awesome. So, well, let's, let's, Let's start let's start super macro because there's lots of I could go winding down a very deep rabbit hole on any of these little little niche components of like trust and all of that kind of stuff but let's start super macro for those of a lot of people have heard the term trust particularly property investors most property investors that I have met and I have met a lot of them <laughs> don't really understand like what actually is it like what actually is a trust is it is it a company is it some how would, you, how would you define a trust in its purest form?
1: So that's a really good question, Gis. Um And it's amazing how many people have trusts and still don't understand what it is. So a trust is not a separate legal entity. Um, it's actually a relationship. It's a relationship with, between the legal owner of something. So it's the relationship between a trustee, a beneficiary in respect of property. So with a company, a company is a legal person. Um, you and I, obviously, we're legal people as well. Yeah. Um, maybe we're not both lawyers, but, <laughs> but we're, we're people. A trust is not a person. A trust is a relationship. And that means that if you got income or profit gains in a trust, it's not taxed in the hands of a trust because a trust is not a person. Is either taxed in the hands of the trustee or taxed in the hands of the beneficiary, depending upon what you do with that money.
0: All right. So at risk of going really complex here, because that's a very interesting thing you pointed out. So I am a person and you are a person in all legal pretense. And a company is also a person in legal pretense, correct? Yes. Right. But a trust is a relationship. So it's basically it's like It's it's like it's like saying you know it's it's like having a relationship status between between the financial mechanism. Is that kind of understanding? Am I sort of saying that in a layman's terms well enough? (laughs) Let's break that down because you say you say a trust and like a trust. The way I think about a trust is I think about it like a bit of a bucket, right? I'm like it's a container. That's the way I think about it, but and I might be thinking about it incorrectly, right? So. But you're saying it's a relation it's basically the bonding relationship between two entities. Is that easiest way to say in respect
1: it? of property? So in respect of
0: property. But when you say property, do you mean real estate or do you mean any any, property. any owned property? property
1: so, of the trust. So, yeah. so property could you, be
0: intellectual property, it could be shares, it could be any
1: it could be money. So often yeah. when you set up a trust, the initial property is a settlement sum.
0: Yeah.
1: So that money actually needs to be handed over by whoever settled the trust, set up the trust. Otherwise, the trust doesn't exist. Yeah. So the trustee has legal title to the property, but it's held for the benefit of someone else.
0: Okay. What Can you explain the difference between a trustee and a beneficiary? Because I know that most people, when they they might understand, okay, I'm going to set up a trust, right? And I guess I'm just going to be the trustee, right? But maybe they're the beneficiary or how, how do you define those two terms? Like if someone, if I was to go and set up, if I was to say, Hey, Archie, I want to go and set up a trust in order to buy some real estate. Um, would I be the beneficiary or would I be the trustee or would I, have a, would, would I create a company to be the trustee so that then I would be the beneficiary? Can you just talk to that for a minute to make that a little clearer for people?
1: So if you can be a trustee individually or you can be a trustee, um, you can set up a trustee company and you can be the shareholder director of that trustee company. There are some benefits to using a trustee company. Um, for example, from a succession session point of view, it makes things easier. Um, and also it adds a layer of asset protection as well. Uh, and if you're, you're in that capacity, either as a trustee, and when you're exercising those powers, you're doing it as a trustee, but you can also be a beneficiary of the trust. So you can, um, what that means is if it's a family trust, So you will have in the trustee, when you set it up, it'll say, this is a trustee and here are all the potential beneficiaries. So it'd be maybe you and your wife are the main people. Mm. And then there'll be an extended class defined by reference to those two people. So maybe your children will also be included, other entities that you control, like your companies, your trusts, that sort of thing. And you can potentially receive distributions from the trust.
0: Okay. Okay, so you can be a beneficiary without being a trustee. Yes. And you, can, and be you a- can
1: be both a trustee and a beneficiary. But I know that in some trustees it'll exclude. It's no longer strictly necessary to exclude someone from being a beneficiary if they are a trustee. Um, but some okay. old trustees will have that um, for various historical reasons. Um, and also that doesn't apply if you are if the trustee is a corporate it's a company because you're not a trustee in your own individual capacity. Okay. Is that okay. confusing? Have I lost uh,
0: you? No, no. You haven't lo- You haven't lost me, but I'm just trying to think. If someone's driving along in the car listening to this, are they going to be able to map that out in their heads in the right way is kind of what I'm thinking.
1: So if you're going to set up, you, you've identified a property you want to buy. Yep. If you're going to set up a trust, um, you, can be, you can be either a trustee or you can be the shareholder director of a trustee company that you're specifically set up to be the trustee, which holds the legal title to that property. Mm-hmm. And you can also be one of the it's, a, it's objects. So one of the potential people mm-hmm. that the, the trust can actually benefit. Yeah. The Benefit okay. in the sense of like making distributions of rental income and maybe upon sale, distributing the capital gain from that sale.
0: Okay, so, so if we think about it like this, beneficiaries are the recipients of the benefit of the trust. Sure. And the trustees are the essentially the operators of the trust.
1: That's right.
0: Okay, cool. Makes sense. And so I know this is a little off topic from what we were planning on. What's the difference between a um, a, a family trust, a discretionary trust, and a unit trust? Okay.
1: So with the... the A family trust is often used interchangeably with the word discretionary trust. Uh Um, So it means that the trustee, there'll be a number of potential beneficiaries. No one has an actual entitlement to a distribution. So you don't actually have an interest in the property. The trustee does not have to distribute to you. The trustee has a discretion to distribute to anyone who's named as a beneficiary. Whereas with a fixed trust, the beneficiaries are entitled to a fixed amount from the trust in terms of both income and capital. And a unit trust is a type of fixed trust. It's unitized in the sense that they're units, but those units carry with it a fixed entitlement to income and capital.
0: Okay, so it's fair, it's fair to say, and in my and maybe you can correct me, but the way that I see the like had the usages of unit trust versus discretionary or family trust is that if you were going to go in a non-relational partnership with somebody else so for example if it was a joint venture project or something like that you would want to own independent units however and the reason discretionary is more of a family trust is it it's probably going to be defined that you've got some ongoing uh relationship with that person maybe be, and and the discretionary distribution of benefits is going to be a little closer to home is that kind of a, a fair statement
1: uh, look, I think so. There, are, You need to be careful about how you structure um, property development projects. So we're not going not to venture too much into that territory, but that's yeah. totally correct. So if you've got a discretionary trust, um, often it will be people who are members of your family. So that's why people often use the word family trust as well. Mm. But before we continue any further, I just want to quickly mention oh, yeah. uh, that, that, that what I'm, all of, everything that the, the whole discussion today is what I'm saying is, it's just gen- for general informational purposes only. so it doesn't constitute legal advice. Um, and if you want some legal advice, please see a lawyer. Um, they can come to me you can go to anyone else um, but this is
0: just for general information Uh, yeah it's it it, that's a good point archie and i just want to point out if anyone is listening to the investor lab and using this as their like financial advice their legal advice or anything like that i think you need to go and see someone more than just you need to go and get some like perspective right this 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 is this is the whole the whole premise of this uh show and the series and everything that we do is to is to provide fertilizer into your mental garden it is not to di- dictate what you should or should not do so always seek uh, professional guidance and advice on all of this kind of stuff um, so with now I'm glad that we got that in there as well um, What we talk, we've talked, we talked about beneficiaries Archie so huh. what actually are some of the benefits like why would anyone why would someone want to we, we'll stick to discretionary trust because I think it's a little bit more um, in line with property investing generally and how pe- most people are going to be thinking about family trust and stuff so Why would anyone bother? Like, what are the? Why would someone invest in a trust? Why would they use that?
1: So there are a number of reasons, um, both from a tax and asset protection point of view. So we can start with tax because I know a lot of people bang on about asset protection, and um, people don't want to necessarily hear that they think about you know scaremongering. So I'm not gonna. I'll come back to that part, but we'll talk about the tax side of things. Some of the benefits are things like income splitting. So if you, if you just say, I own a property personally um, and I derive all of the rental income and investment property myself and it's taxed at my marginal tax rate. Now, what I might want to do is um, I might um, want to set up a trust for um, and have the beneficiaries as myself, and my partner and my children um, and all my companies and other trusts that I might control. Um, so what I might do is I might split the income between myself and my partner and take advantage of whatever different you know, tax-free, um, the lower tax rates, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, marginal tax rates, it steps up. Um, my partner might be on a lower marginal tax rate. Uh, I would be really careful about making any distributions to children. Um, I don't have any children, but if there are minor beneficiaries, you're not going to be trying to distribute $18,000 to each of them because it's a tax-free threshold, they won't get it. It'll be taxed, the top margin tax rate because there's an anti-avoidance rule. It was just to st- stop people from doing that. So please don't make distributions to minor beneficiaries. It just won't work.
0: When you say um, minor beneficiaries, do you mean minor as in age as in young people? Or do you yes, mean, yeah, yeah. yes.
1: So Sorry, and slipping into legal language. but that, yeah, under that, 18. That's okay. I'll,
0: I'll pull you up and I'll make it, I'll, I'll break this down. So, under 18 is that what you're saying
1: under 18
0: okay so So, under under 18 you're not really going to get because everyone talks about that they're like what i can just i'll just pay my kids all the money and then (laughs) you
1: know oh so unfortunately no it doesn't really quite work um the rates are for mine is it's up to 416 dollars you pay nil but um 417 to 1,307 is 66% for every dollar over $416. $16. And if it's above $1,308, it's 45% of the entire amount. And yeah. that's 45% plus the Medicare levy of 2%. So it's 47%. And the trustee pays it on their behalf. But there's no there's really unless you're distributing pittance like $416, it's just really not worth it. Mm. Um but is there a- you might have a corporate beneficiary so you might have a company and if you receive some income you might want to go and distribute that to a company and it's taxed at 30 percent maybe maybe you're on the top, top top marginal tax rate maybe your partner's on the top marginal tax rate maybe you go and park the funds in the company. So a company that is that is a very
0: market. we've just stepped into some very interesting territory there archie that is very interesting to me uh, so let's di- let's touch on let's dig into that so you can have a you can have a corporate trustee, which is basically a company which is the operating entity for the right. for the trust, right? But you can also have a corporate beneficiary.
1: Yes, right? people often call it a bucket company. You might hear yep. that thrown around a lot.
0: Yeah, and so a trust cannot retain funds or profits in a year, correct?
1: So it can, but the yeah. problem with that is that if you retain it. So remember how I said that income is taxed either in the hands of the trustee or the beneficiary? Mm. If you retain it in the trust, it will be taxed in the hands of the trustee at the top marginal tax rate plus Medicare levy of 47%. So you wouldn't want to do that. You'd want to distribute it out, in which case it will be taxed to the beneficiaries. Okay. At their, whatever their rate is.
0: Okay. So if you are someone who has a higher income, right, and you're already like, damn I don't want to pay any more tax, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so so... You might be thinking, and which is why some people might think about negative gearing because they're like, "Look, I want the benefit of, you know, building wealth in property, but I don't want to, I don't want to pay, have to pay additional tax." And so you might be thinking, "Well, if we if we create a cash flow positive property portfolio within a trust, it's gonna going be producing more income, and that's gonna be then distributed to us, and that's gonna there's gonna be taxed at a high tax rate. Instead of getting that distributed to you or your partner or whatever the, the whoever the beneficiaries are, you can get that distributed to a company." which can retain the funds at a lower rates. To- yeah.
1: So you'll want to be careful about what you do with that fund. So if those monies are never paid to the company or if it's their loan loaned back by the company to the trust, you've got a lot of tax problems there that you need to get some specialist tax advice about. But if you just leave it in the company and maybe go and buy some shares in the company or something like that, um, at some stage you'll want to pull that money out. So maybe pull it out over time when you're, you know, retired or something and you're, um, you know, on some uh, paying, you know, whatever low marginal tax rate, Um, you might want to pull it out over time, or maybe your children are, you know, older, Um, they have to be shareholders, of course,
0: Mm.
1: they can only dividends can only go out to the shareholders. Um, But um, you can pull it out over time, you'll have to get the money out at some stage. Um, yeah, okay.
0: So you, but it's not as simple as putting it into the company and then taking it from the company and putting it back
1: into the trust to buy more property. No. So you need to... If you're going to do that, um, there's... I don't want to get into it. It can be treated as a deemed dividend. So you need a proper loan agreement between the company and the trust. Mm. Um, and you should speak to a tax lawyer about getting that drafted.
0: <laughs> so I know that we've gone way off, way tangential, but I'm fascinated by all this kind of stuff. Like the... What, what really interests me about this topic is how to think about the flow of capital, right? So how, where do we put it? How do we use it more efficiently? Um, and then how do we create, you know, legacy, how to create a legacy structure and all, all of that kind of stuff. So thinking about well, what happens to the distributions and how to put money back in and how to circulate that and how to get the maximum benefit out of it is something that I'm, that I'm, I'm really, really fascinated by.
1: So, so that's one of the benefits, this. I'll just quickly touch on a couple of. Okay. Others. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Perfect.
1: Um, and then, <laughs> because obviously, you know, people really want to know why they should do this. right? I'm
0: gl- you know what? Can I just say, I'm glad that you're keeping me on track. So thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go on. What are the other benefits? So the other one is um, the 50% CGT discount, capital gains mm. tax discount. So we um, need to be really careful about this. So, it's available, it will be available if you're actually, if you're investing in real property for a long term for the purpose of deriving income. It's not if you're in a property development business or in a trading, you you trade in land or something like that. If you're buying property for a long term to derive rental income, if you hold that property in a trust for at least 12 months and then you sell it, um, you you should be entitled to again for general informational purposes only, not legal advice. Um, what's called a fifty percent CGT discount. Basically, if you make a capital gain, only half of that capital gain will be subject to tax.
0: Isn't that the okay. same? Isn't that the same? If they didn't buy in a trust though, sorry, isn't that the same? Like if I just went and bought it as an individual without a trust, is that not the same? Same.
1: Yes, but you can also still distribute that and. With that, can't you? Ah, okay. That's that is by that's, yourself. So, but the thing is that you actually have to get that capital gain out to individuals. You can't park it in that company, otherwise, you won't be in touch that Yeah,
0: company. but you can distribute it's the individual. capital gain more efficiently.
1: That's
0: okay. right. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so rather than it getting all, all lumped in, in one place, you could distribute the capital gain more sure. efficiently at a, at a lower marginal tax rate.
1: Yeah. So, okay you know, you'd need really careful advice and documentation around that if you want to make sure you can get Because is... if, you, if you keep doing that, but, you know, you flip everything one day after 12 months, then, you know, the ATO is probably going to look at them and go, really, are you really holding it for the long term? Or is it something that you're buying for the purpose of making a profit mm. um, in the short term? And the final thing is, um, you got some, if you got some assets, and we'll probably come back to this if we have time, but if you might, you might sort of make losses in one company, so it might be negative years in one trust, and there might be another trust that you make, you know, gains in. So what you can do, subject to making what's called a family trust election, again, speak to your tax lawyer about what that means. You can actually distribute the gain from one trust to the loss-making trust. Now again, you need to make. There are some tax rules that you need to comply with in order to do that. Um, and you need to make what's known as a family trust election. So those are the tax benefits and the asset protection benefits. Well, if you're a high-risk person, if you're a director of a company, for example, you probably won't want to hold assets personally because mm. you could get sued. Um, so if you put in a trust, you know, if you go bankrupt or for whatever reason, um, those assets are set aside. They're not available to satisfy your debts. Um, again, that only applies to investment properties. If it's your main residence, for various tax reasons, you'll want to
0: hold that personally. Interesting. Okay, so just going back to, just going back, just go. We're not going to have time to cover all the stuff that we want to talk about, so let, we'll just reside. We'll reside with that, I think, for a minute. So, if you have one trust which is loss-making,
1: mm.
0: and you have one trust which is profit-making,
1: mm.
0: you can distribute the profits from one trust into the losses of another?
1: Sure, yes. So that means that you won't necessarily... So you have to make, um, a, like I said, a family trust selection. Yep. So you need to specify a particular person and that means that you can only make distributions to members of a family group for, four, for four of those both of those trusts. But yes, if you do that, then you can make you can inject your profit from one trust into a loss-making trust, and you can use that to absorb the losses, and therefore you won't be paying um, tax in the profit trust.
0: Fascinating. I can see that's good. That would definitely have, I can see there'd be some some really interesting ways that that could have provide a lot of benefit. I think what you touched on there, like for, for a, from a business owner perspective, you know, most business owners. Who, who want to invest in property, I believe should be looking at um, creating a trust structure just so there's separation between them as an individual plus their, and and their and their property portfolio from a risk mitigation perspective. Because even if business is going well, like businesses do, do, do fail. Like that happens. Right. So from a yeah. risk management perspective, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. One of the, one of the, one of the things, I want to jump to estate planning really quickly. Yeah. Um uh, and I know that we could t- talk about this specific topic for an hour, I reckon. But because sure. I think one of the benefits, because you mentioned you mentioned the the tax benefits distributions, right? You mentioned the fifty percent CGT discount, mm-hmm. and you also which also t- also ties in with the dis- distribution benefits because you can distribute the capital gain more effectively. And then you've got um and then you've got asset protection, right? As key benefits. What about what about what about the benefit of, of estate planning? Because I see that as I see that as one of the intrinsic benefits of it as well. Because a lot of people a lot of families go, look, I want to build wealth. I want to be able to pass that wealth on onto on my kids and their kids' kids. So what can you talk to about trust and estate planning from that that perspective?
1: So I'm gonna differentiate between trust that you've set up during your lifetime and trusts called testamentary trusts that you'll set up upon your debt. Under your will. So, we're not going to go into that. We're going to talk about trust that you've set up yep. in your lifetime for investment purposes. Got it. So, with that, you need to be aware that the assets of the trust are not your personal assets. So, you can't leave that in your will. Mm. Okay. So, what that means is you need to think about how you're going to pass control of that trust once you die or once you lose incapacity you know we'd, we'd all like to maybe go to bed one night have a die of a quiet heart attack and that's it but what happens if you get not, just to just
0: just to be clear I'd rather not do that I'd, I'm just not live
1: forever <laughs> I live just forever.
0: Uh, yeah I'm going for I'm going for the live forever I'm in that bucket but, no, like, when okay. you leave
1: maybe- hundred and you go to bed one day and then yeah. you don't if wake I, up the
0: following day. That's if like, I have that's to, the go, if way I, to yeah. die. If I have to go, yes, I'll I'll, I'll take that route, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go that way.
1: But um, you know, that's not necessarily the case. So yeah. what you need to actually think about is how you pass control of the trust. And there are two things there. One is the trustee role. If you've got a corporate beneficiary, The person that's going to make the call is going to be the directors and shareholders. So a shareholder can sack a director as well. So it's really the shareholders who are in control of the trustee, if you've got a corporate trustee. But even more than the trustee, there's a role called the appointor role. The appointor is the person who has the right to appoint and sack a trustee so they can seize control of a trust. Okay? So you need to think about how you pass on those two roles. Sometimes there's another role called a guardian role as well, which I'm not going to
0: go into. Okay. So So, can you just go back on the appointor piece, right? So when you're setting up your trust, let's say I want to set up a trust today. I'm not planning on dying for another 40 years, right? So at least or ever. But um, so I need to set up, I need, as well as having the, I outlining who the beneficiaries are, who the trustees are, and all of that kind of stuff. I need to assign an appointor now. Is that what you're
1: saying? Yes. So when you set up the trust, most modern trustees, most trustees, don't have an appointor thing. You probably have it in your trustees if you. I'm assuming you have some trust. Take a good look at it. Take a good look at it, Um, and you got also. Think about whether that power can be exercised. We've got more than one appointor or whether it has to be by unanimous consent or whether um, or how you manage it if they're more than one person. But you got to think about how you're going to pass on that role, both of those roles. So your shares in your corporate trustee, you own that personally, right? So you can pass that under your will. Mm-hmm. The role of director, you know, maybe you appoint alternate directors or something. You might also want, um, you you should speak to an estate planning lawyer. So there's things like powers of attorney when you're losing, when you lose capacity. um, You can have that attorney take over that role. So if you get dementia or something like that. um, And in terms of how you pass on, you know, the trustee role and it needs to interact with your trustee properly. But the assets of the trust, they're not yours. You can't say, "I leave that property, which is held in the trust, to my children," because it won't work. That'd no,
0: work. but what about if we thought it? If we think about it differently, and I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to be wrong here, but I just want to clarify the 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 point. If your if you're if the if the trustee for your trust is a corporate trustee, so a company. Mm-hmm. And if the person and so therefore if the company controls the trust, right? Mm -hmm. But the directors control the company. Sure. So if you change directors of the company, then you change the people who own the trust, who can then in turn change the beneficiaries and other trustees of the trust, right? So isn't it just isn't it just as simple
1: as the shareholders will have the power to appoint and remove directors. So the shareholders actually their power trumps the yeah. Okay. So,
0: so let's walk, let's just walk through a, a scenario just to break sure. it down in, in simple terms. Right. So let's say, uh, let's say me and Gabby, um, let's say me and Gabby have a trust, right? A property, a property trust, right? We're buying, we're buying real estate in it. Uh, and let's just say, let's just say we've got two kids. We don't have any kids, but let's just say we've got two kids and I'm a shareholder of the company. Gabby's a shareholder. And the so the company is the trustee for the trust, right? So the company mm-hmm. operates the trust, um, I'm a shareholder. Gabby's a shareholder and our two kids are shareholders, right? So there's four shareholders uh, and then, you know, me and Gabby, and my, the kids are grown up and they're adults and, you know, we've lived a full and wonderful life and then Gabby and I are off traveling in outer space or something, which is what we'll be doing in the future and suddenly we disappear and we never come back, right? So we die. Sure. The,
1: the
0: kids, right, if we if That's we that the way leave-
1: you want to die? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, if, you, if you, the, the way that I want to die is I want to go into a black hole. That's actually my goal, right? That's how I, I want to, I want to go into a black hole to see what happens at the event horizon. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, um, but so, but if the if our if our two kids are shareholders of the company, and if we leave our shares in the company to our kids, and then they can appoint a director, then they would.
1: They can be themselves. They can appoint themselves. So
0: they can appoint themselves as directors, right? Yeah. So they would. They would then take over control of the trust, and therefore, that's a we're essentially yeah. just handing it. That's a, that's a way to do it, though, right? But that's you need a, to
1: actually have it. You should have it in your will, right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, if you've got so, it in the will, if I've, if me and Gabby have sure. got it in the will, that we are going to hand well, over our shares to the kids and stuff. But more, more to the point is, like, the kids would then get all of the assets,
1: right? Oh, sure, they would. They get yeah. it in an indirect way, but you need to make sure you leave the shares, right? Yeah. Um, and you also need to think about the point or too. Um. But what happens if, you know, one of your kids dies? And then but they have grandchildren. Not great, do you have grandchildren through them. How is that going to work? What if they're what if they're minors? What if they're like, you know, five years old or something like that? And what if your other child goes on, stop them. So you gotta think about all of these things.
0: Totally. Uh, I mean, they shouldn't. Can-
1: they shouldn't because they'll have trustee duties. So you can't just act in your self interest. Um, but you got to think about all of these things. And what happens if you and Gabby, instead of, you know, going off into space and, you know, you know, just disappearing, what if you and Gabby, you know, lose your marbles? And
0: who's do gonna, what? And, gonna, and, and yeah, decide to start selling all the properties? No, you, or know, you what, just would,
1: lose your marbles and you're like, you know, um, in some facility, Um mm. like because you... And, and,
0: we, ha- and we haven't set an appointor, so technically and we're you don't, still... And
1: you don't have, like, a, you haven't put in place a power of attorney.
0: Mm.
1: But what happens if you nominate a power of attorney and they um, make the decision to take the property, the capital of the trust and distribute it to someone? Do you want them to be able to do that or do you want to put some restrictions on that? Yeah, so these I mean, are things that estate planning is a really important part of trust structuring.
0: Yeah, yeah I get so, it. So the, the planning part to make sure that no one acts to make sure that you don't have vindictive kids that take your property portfolio away from you and all that kind of stuff when you well, just have yeah, yeah.
1: kids who actually don't when they grow up maybe they have their own interests and they yeah. don't they try to screw each other over.
0: But in a but let's look at, in a best case scenario where it's happy families and everyone's great right. and everyone takes care of everyone else, right? From the function of being able to if I buy an asset today in a trust and then you know 30 years later I want that asset to be an asset that my kids can have. Right, then the easiest way to do it is is essentially, you know, they become directors of the trust. Sure, and,
1: that's right. You hand yeah. over control of the trust. Yeah. Okay.
0: Awesome. So,
1: and that's, that's what, sort of some of the estate planning stuff, but it's it is really important when you set up a trust to think about these things as well.
0: Yeah, 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 totally. I think we could do another episode just on estate planning. So, because we what we've covered here is we've covered four key key pretty big benefits right so there's tax benefits because we can distribute we can distribute yeah. the distribute the benefits i.e cash at a on a discretionary basis to as long as we're not trying to pay our kids and stuff if they're under 18 you've got the 50 percent cgt discount uh which which is again has discretionary benefits You've got the benefit of asset protection, so that you are de-risking your position against if somebody sues you, or if something happens, or if you're a business owner, and then that and then that. the ATO
1: of- sues you. It's like you go, can be liable for certain things personally, even if you operate through your company. Certain tax liabilities.
0: Why would the ATO sue you?
1: Yeah. Why? So if your company hasn't paid for some reason, you're not in compliance with your super obligations or pay, PAYG withholding, yeah. or GST, they can actually pierce the corporate veil, your limited liability as a company, and they can come after you as a director. And super, the liability is forever. It's not like four years or something like that, like with other nice. taxes, forever. So um, you probably want to really do make sure you hold nothing else if you're a director.
0: Got it, got it. Okay, so asset protection is, is a big benefit. Uh, and And... Maybe I'm using the wrong term. Estate planning is obviously a lot more complex and it's like what happens if, what happens if it's not a conditional object. But the, I would say another big benefit though that we touched on there is like how technically how to pass on the assets to the kids, which I yeah. think is a huge a huge piece.
1: Um, there are some, you know, I know that we don't have much more time, Goose. Yeah. Um, there are some, some disadvantages to it. Yeah. Um, um, the trust structure, and there are some pitfalls as well that need to be avoided. Um, I don't know how much. <laughs> do we have time to briefly touch on disadvantages before we? No, I, no,
0: what? No, 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 actually, we don't. And the reason I'm going to say no is because I want, I think we should do a whole other episode. Just like if this is, this is basically like four key benefits, right? That we've got for trust. I think we should do a whole other episode of like, what are the risks and what are the downsides? What are do you sure? Think? Because I think it is is
1: things to
0: be really wary of. So yes, um, yeah, totally. It's a it's a complex issue, and it deserves not to be glossed over. Like it deserves it deserves the time for us to go into it and go, well, okay, so you know, should I run at this at a bullet gate? Is it for everyone? You know, what are what are the risks? How do I need to? What's the downside to it? So I think what would be really good, rather than trying to gloss over those items in a couple of minutes, is let's schedule another let's schedule another another podcast. Um and really dig into that. Because I think there's a there's a few there's a few things that I wanna that I wanna talk about. I think we could do an episode on estate planning. We could do an episode of funding and how to how to think about funding within a trust and what the implications of all that kind of stuff are and what are the what's the downside risk or what are the disadvantages of a trust. Um so what do you think? Are you up for doing up for doing a few extra episodes?
1: Absolutely.
0: Awesome, fantastic. One thing, I, one thing I wanted to, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, and it was, um, I thought about this uh, before we started recording because I knew I already knew that you had gone from a from a corporate career into um, starting your own business, and uh, I know, I know that, that you know change and all of the impacts that that can have. I'm interested to know that in the, in the last in the last you know twelve months or whatever it is. So since since you since you left the 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 corporate world and started out on your own. What unusual... Sorry, what what new belief or behavior or habit has most shaped you over that period of time?
1: I think taking control of my career. So, um, where I want to go, feeling empowered um, and sort of, you know, I'm doing some additional study in areas that I'm interested in. Um, I'm, you know, I think that it has... uh, in terms of beliefs, I think the idea that we, you know, can take charge of things and that we have choice. So I know your investors are seeking investment in property partially because they want choice and freedom. And I think that's one of the beliefs that has really come to the fore for me over the last four months.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's exciting. Are you glad that you did it?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Can't do the same thing forever.
0: No, exactly, exactly. Nice. Well, congratulations on um on on breaking free and, and for and for setting up a really amazing business over the over the last little period of time, and thank you so much for spending uh, spending time with us. Now, you mentioned a number of times during the episode that you must get legal advice, actual <laughs> legal advice. If and you can provide that advice, just not on a podcast, because you have to provide it on a one to one basis to make sure it's tailored to the individual needs. But if someone did want to reach out to you to get specific advice on on structuring and uh, tax, uh, you know, ta- tax advice, structuring advice, all of that kind of stuff. Where would they go? What's the, do you have a website? So you can where go
1: to my website. So Archway Legal. So that's A R C H W A Y Legal It's got my contact details on it, and you can get in touch.
0: Awesome, fantastic, Archie. Thanks. It's always a pleasure when we get to when we get to chat. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the fact that you tolerate me running off into different directions and picking apart little different bits. So uh, thanks again for your time. I look forward to to chatting next time and really, really soon.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.